welcome back to the Pin for Pin podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Atkinson, and today we are here with Coach Klumpa of the University of Nebraska. Coach Klumpa, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Joshua. I'm doing good. So let's start at the beginning. How did you get into the sport of bowling? Um, as a lot of people talk about, their family was involved in it. Um, my parents were uh, involved with the center in our town. Um, my dad was a, he ran a pro shop. He worked the desk. He tended bar. My mom ran the pro, the uh, snack bar. My uncle was the head mechanic. Um, the owner of the center, um, their son worked the counter. My sister started dating him and they got married. Um, so it was a big family affair. Of course, I was along for the ride. And uh, the same guy, Jack Eaton, that coached my uncle and my father back in the 40s and 50s, uh, also coached me and taught me the, the how to bowl. And um, so, you know, that's kind of when you're hanging around a bowling center most daily and keeping score for quarters so I can play the video games and things like that. And that's kind of how it all started. That's a pretty interesting start when everyone's doing it almost seems likely that by osmosis, you would be into bowling as well. But when did you start really getting competitive into bowling? Well, it was around 1980, 80, 81. Um, I was already bowling junior leagues and stuff in the seventies, but around the early eighties is when Jack Eaton, uh, the coach I referenced that, uh, coached my uncle and my father, uh, started to, uh, he just came down one day. I was throwing it with two hands. Um, certainly nothing like the two handers of today, but that's what I was doing. I had my thumb in it, but I was throwing it with two hands and he came down and started helping me. And so, be fast forward a few years from there. There was a local um, TV show called TV Tournament Time in upstate New York where I grew up. And um, I made that as a junior in 1985. Um, and I was much more skilled at what I was doing than I was a few years earlier. And uh, so I just started going from there. Of course, I was bowling. Uh, I started high school in 1985 and I was on the bowling team. We had a it was a lettered sport in our school back then. It still is. And um, so I bowled high school for four years and I was bowling league and travel league and tournaments. And they didn't quite have the same degree of tournaments uh, back then that they do now with junior gold and, and uh, teen masters and things like that. But um, I bowled tournaments and travel league and junior league and high school. So I was busy with all that stuff and, and then I went on to college from there. And you did bowl a little bit in college. So talk about that experience with you bowling in college. Well, I started, I bowled at a community college back in New York where I was. And uh, we bowled for two years there. And it was a real competitive scene at the time. Um, there was some good players uh, that were in colleges uh, in other community colleges, Erie Community College was obviously in their uh, in their peak at that time. Um, there was some good players out of Hudson Valley Community College. Warren Guernsey was in the scene. Tom Kretzler. Uh, there was some real good players. Um, I bowled there for two years. 
uh, we made the national championship tournament and went to Baltimore both years. Um, it was a good, it was a good introduction to college bowling. And then um, the coach for that team ended up bringing a, brought a flyer in for Nebraska bowling. And um, honestly, I don't know if I could have found Nebraska on a map at that time, but a friend of mine who was on the team there at the community college, he and I both said, well, let's look at it. And uh, his name was TJ Messino. And the two of us went ahead and uh, filled out the form and sent in a video. And Bill Straub called us and said, you know, we're interested in you coming out here and joining our squad. And so we, uh, we knew a guy that was already here, Tom Kretzler, who was bowling from, he was at the community college when we were, but he came out here he was a year ahead of us. So he came, he transferred here. So we called Tom. He kind of told us what it was like. And uh, TJ and I both came out here and then we bowled for the team here for two years. So I bowled here for the uh, 92 to till the spring of 94 for two seasons. And I was an all American my senior year. Well, that's pretty interesting. And congratulations on being an all American. That's tough to do, but yeah. being a player is quite different from being a coach so how did you get into coaching well um about a couple of years after i graduated um from nebraska i was um i was just bowling um bowling some regionals and bowling tournaments around the the whole region here um going to the mega bucks things like the super bowl high roller and the high roller things like that i was working um, at a local center here, I was working in the pro shop and Bill Straub called me and said that the athletic department at Nebraska was um, planning to elevate our women, our women's team from uh, a club sport to a varsity sport and make it part of their athletic department, which meant we'd have a bigger budget. We'd have the ability to pay the coaches and he wanted me to be his assistant. So I agreed to do so. And then in the fall of 1996, I joined Bill here and uh, started coaching. And I was in that position from the fall of 96 through the fall of 2019 when I was hired to be the head coach. And so how was it learning years. from a legendary coach, Bill Straub? Because as a young person, you might you may have done a little bit of coaching in high school, maybe helping your buddies, but you haven't had a lot of coaching experience. So learning from a decorated coach as he was, how did that help your coaching career thus far? Well, it helped me immensely because as Bill always points out, there's, there's nowhere to go to really learn how to coach. It's difficult. It's one thing if you want to learn how to teach, like teach someone to bowl better, there's all kinds of, clinics and things about that but when it comes to the coaching aspect of things that is difficult it, and, it, and one of the reasons there's no place to go to learn it it's difficult to teach it in a classroom I mean coaching you know you have to experience a lot of scenarios and work through them and then see the results of your decisions and then you have to memory bank those things so when you see a similar scenario in the future you remember how you dealt with it and whether it was a good remedy and if you if you can go through enough life experiences then you can kind of get to where you feel like you can handle most situations 
because you've seen so many things. And with Bill being there to work through all these things and watch him do it and help him work through them, it prepares you really well. And I was real lucky to be able to, to work with him that long to be prepared to do what I do now. Well, being a college athlete, did that help you in your transition to the coaching role? Because now you understand both sides of it. For sure. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, I would be less equipped if I hadn't been a college player myself and kind of know what it's like to, to balance, you know, school and bowling and social life and all that. And uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, I, I would feel less prepared and, and less able to really weigh in on things, what people are going through if I didn't experience it myself. So no, it's definitely helps. Well, you talked a little bit about you starting out as yeah. head coach and you've done a fantastic job so far. So talk about Thank you. your team season this year and when you started. Well, when I started, you know, um, Bill retired in the in August of 19. And that's uh, that's when I officially was announced as the next head coach. So it was kind of a whirlwind because we didn't have a whole lot of time to you know, I hired an assistant and, and had to get things going and um, we didn't have a whole lot of time to plan for the transition, <clears throat> but we, uh, we, you know, we kind of worked on the fly and got through it and we had a good season. Um, the first year uh, we had uh, won, I guess we won four, four tournaments out of nine or five out of nine. And we had finished well in all of them, all of them. We were, the number two or three seed in the country when COVID hit and they shut us down. And so then uh, we came back this next year, which was real challenging, of course, with COVID. We weren't able to compete at all in the fall, uh, while a lot of our main competition was able to compete in the fall. So we lost that whole time frame in the fall when you get out there and bowl two or three tournaments and really kind of figure out which end is up with your team. We lost all that. We didn't get to start until January. So we're kind of, uh, you know, going on the fly again with, you know, what's uh, who should be playing, who shouldn't be playing, you know, what's what's our order going to be, who's going to anchor. I mean, we had all kinds of decisions to make and not much time to to work through it. So um, but we did. And as the season rolled on, we you know, we were getting better every week. Every tournament was better than the last. And. As we approached the postseason, we knew things were coming together pretty good. We had a good squad. We had established our lineup and who's going to play where and who are the substitutes and when to bring them in and all that stuff was started to come together. And it came together at the right time as we were approaching the national championship. And what a sight it was. I watched it and you, Nebraska, ended up winning 4-0 over Arkansas four to one four to four one. to one my bad that there, there was that one at the beginning and then yeah. it was a dominant performance after that and so talk about your experience on the tv show and just like the energy around that time frame well you know we started the event that they had the regionals and the and the finals all in the same venue down in Kansas City and we, we were the number two seed in the country, and we played the 15 seed to start the regionals, and we lost in a double elimination format. So the rest of the region, we were 
playing for our season to not be over. And we had some tough matches and got through them. We had an epic match versus Vanderbilt for the regional title. We had to beat them twice, and we did. And it came right down to the 10th frame. Our girl needs to basically needs the first one of the 10th, and she got it. And uh, so we got through the region, and then we then we went to the final four. And that was a tough field with McKendry and Arkansas State and Youngstown and us. And we found a way to keep grinding, and we got to the TV show, and uh, we were playing Arkansas State, who's really good squad, well coached by Justin Kostick. Um, we got on the TV show, and you know, we—I don't know if it helped or hurt that the there were no fans allowed, um, but you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered too much, I, I guess. I don't think because you know the real pressure is the knowledge that you're in front of a national TV audience on ESPN, so uh, the pressure is there whether there were fans or not. But um, you know, we we went into the show kind of. I took the team to the TV set after they had it all set up after we knew we had made the show the night before. And we just kind of stood on the set and just kind of took it all in. Just kind of what, what's it going to look like? Um, I explained to them what their procedure is on TV, how they kind of run it when they go to commercial, um, you know, what lanes are we using? How, how are we moving? Where are we standing? So they had a really good visual going in of what, they were going to be faced with and um, they had the knowledge of how it runs and commercial breaks, things like that. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about how you have to, you have to find a way to, to have the, the distractions just vanish. And I used a, a movie scene out of uh, a movie called the, uh, the legend of beggar Vance, where I don't know if you're familiar with this movie, or your listeners are, but it's Will Smith and he's like a guardian angel. He becomes Isn't Matt a, Damon in that one? Yeah, Matt Damon's the yeah. golfer. It's set kind of maybe World War One or two time frame. And um, Matt Damon's a golfer playing in a, in a big uh, exhibition event against Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen. And uh, it's at Augusta. And um, along comes... Will Smith as the caddy, who's also the guardian angel, and he's getting him to get over post-traumatic syndrome from the war, and he's trying to get, he's helping Matt Damon get his life together through golf, and one of the things he trains him to do is that when he steps up there to address the ball, that all the distractions need to be wiped away, and the only thing is you, the club, and the ball, and and in the movie, it shows all of the gallery of people just vanishing and going away. And there's nobody left but his job at hand. And so we really, we looked at that scene many times, talked about it. And what you saw on TV was basically our, the girls putting that in action. It was incredible, I thought. I, that's why they performed so well and seemed to not be nervous. Because they made excellent shots after shot after shot under that kind of pressure they were really in a good zone and it was really impressive yes especially being down after the first game rebounding saying it's not okay it's not bad we can come back from this it's going to be okay and they proved that yeah i mean the first game we i think we started with the the first six and um was it the first six or five maybe the yeah, the first six strikes in a row, and we lost the game. 
And part of that was we had two opens. We had an open in the sixth and the seventh. One of our girls was a freshman, and she she did have a nervous moment on a spare and missed it. Um, but, I mean, I went to the team after that loss. We, we shot 217. Uh, Arkansas State was striking right along with us. They shot 224. I went to the team and said, nice game. I said, you know, you just shot 217 out of the gate on TV. That's impressive. And there was no talk of, you know, how could you lose a game you had the front six to start with? Because Arkansas State also had the front six or seven. So it didn't matter that we had the front six. So did they. You know, we had a good ball game. We had two two uh, mistakes in the middle of the game. But it was a good ball game to start the thing, and that's how I viewed it. That's what I said to them. And we just turned the page and kept going. And this is early in your head coaching career, but not as much in your entire coaching career, but already reaching the pinnacle of success has got to motivate you to go out and get more championships. The problem isn't how or when are you going to get one. The problem is how much and how many championships are you going to get in your career now? If you say so, (laughs) I, you know, I feel blessed. I mean, I feel real blessed to have been able to pull a, a national championship off so early. Um, it's, it's nice to get one, uh, you know, the, if I was, if I'm only going to win one, my entire career, and I had to have waited 10 years or so to do it, there'd be a lot of questions about, well, looks like he can't win it. You know, maybe he's not going to be able to win it. Like he would did when he was an assistant with bill. It's nice to be able to just get one under my belt and know that we, you know, I'm capable. The system that I'm running here is, is working. The team is happy. The chemistry is really good. There's very little drama. Everything's, everything's fun here. And um, it shows, it shows in the performances and the people are real happy. They get along and we're a real good family here. So yeah, I'm happy to get it, to get one early and have it, have that monkey off my back if there was one and uh now we can just move forward and yeah let's see how many we can get that that's the question well speaking of moving forward how have you been creative during recruiting because there's a lot made of recruiting during covid with the restrictions especially being a division one program not being able to have people come to campus and do all that type of stuff but now that stuff's opening back up how have you been during recruiting it's been difficult i mean recruiting it's unprecedented i mean i've done this you know as you pointed out i mean i've i guess i'm 25 years into coaching bowling and i've always been involved in recruiting the entire time frame and i've never had a time where you weren't able to go watch somebody compete or bring someone on campus for came let's see it came out to what 15 months from march of 20 until june 1st of 2021 we couldn't go see anyone play nor bring anyone on campus it was unprecedented it was difficult good news was i i didn't need a lot of people for this year because we don't lose anyone off of last year's team um so i wasn't looking for a whole bunch of people i i I was content with just signing one and um there's a girl out of wisconsin named anna callen who had um uh been interested in the program 
and had sent me a lot of video. And I, because I couldn't go watch her play, I just spent a lot of time talking with her and her family on Zoom to get to know them. Um, I had asked for more video. They sent me a lot of video. I was able to examine it. And after kind of meeting them through the Zooms and watching her on video enough, I felt comfortable enough making her an offer and, and I signed her um, this past fall. And she's here now. She'll be here in the next couple of weeks to start as a freshman here. So she's my COVID signing. And she was here earlier this summer taking some classes and I was able to work with her on the lanes and um, I'm real happy with that signing. She's a good player, good person from a really good family. So, um, but it's, it's scary when you don't get a chance to see them live or meet them live and you're going to make them an offer, but that goes with the territory of the unprecedented COVID situation. Right. And congratulations on bringing her into the program. But one thing that she mentioned was getting to see her on the lanes when she was on campus and Nebraska is one of the only schools to have lanes on campus that are dedicated to the bowling team. And I think that's super cool. Like if every college program could have bowling lanes, it would help bring up the sport because some part of being a college coach and starting a new program is finding a place for your team to practice. But if there's a place to practice right there and it's your dedicated space, you can put down different oil patterns, you can drill new equipment, you just have like your own space and really make bowling feel like the sport that it should be. Yeah, yeah, we're lucky that way. We have six lanes here that are, matter of fact, last summer during the pandemic, uh, they went forward with their plan to renovate our facility, which they did. And we cleared the place right down to the concrete and we started with brand new lanes from the bottom up. And um, so we have brand new pro lane here, brand new approaches, scoring, set tees, everything. Uh, brand new pin setters. We have specto. We have torches. We have board, board boxes. We have a camera system. We have all kinds of things to help train our players and uh, measure what they're doing. Uh, not to mention in the same areas of lanes right around the corner are the coach's office the players lounge which has a kitchen in it um, really nice hangout for the girls uh, they have a really sweet locker room and a, and a bathroom that's only for them along with showers um, which we haven't had before so that's been a really nice upgrade to go along with all that we do have an on-site pro shop where it's full service we do everything for the team right here it's only for the team. It's not for any other outside purposes. So everything's dedicated to them. So it's all one-stop shopping here. It's We're really lucky. Yeah, I would say that sounds like a recruitment pitch. You got all of these bells and whistles. But I know yeah. your team is well-coached enough that it doesn't really matter what they have, that they'll be able to strike when it's time to strike. Let's hope so. <laughs> and so you actually got a degree in psychology from the University of Nebraska. So talk about the mental side of bowling and how you instill the mental game into your players. Yeah, I did. I studied psychology. I, I started in high school. To, I took some psychology classes and I liked it. And so I continued on my entire college career as that being my major. And I, and I learned a lot in that time frame about people and, you know, kind of the mental side of things and the emotional side. And 
Um, <clears throat> I apply a lot of that. I mean, I, I have some of the key textbooks that I thought were relevant. I still have them right here in my office from back then. Um, we do spend a decent amount of time <clears throat> working on the mental game um, and the emotions and body language and things like that and how it affects your team, how it affects you, um, your coaches. It, it has a big effect on how, what kind of vibe are you giving off? And essentially, our messages always look like and act like you're bowling well, regardless of how you're bowling. And that helps a lot. Um, there are, we have, um, we have a staff of sports psychologists in our athletic department that are, um, we have one that's dedicated to our team. And I think pretty much on a weekly basis, he comes out and he uh, meets with the team and puts them through different exercises and workshops. And um, I communicate with him almost daily during the season and kind of clue him in on what's happening with our team. And then he comes up with workshops and seminars to basically address what appears to be the issues psychologically. And before we go to any event, he deals with them. Um, he also traveled with us to the national championship. Um, so he knows how it went there. And, and, you know, he got a real good idea of how the girls are when they're competing. He'll travel with us some this year as well. So, yeah, that's a big, big portion of what we do. Um, it's not something we take lightly. We understand how important that is. And so I, I do draw on my background in psychology and then I lean on the real pros here that are hired to do that. And they help me a lot. Well, we just talked about the mental side of it, but what about the non-bowling training, like strength and conditioning? Do you guys do that as well? Yeah, we have, just like we have a sports psychologist that's dedicated to our team. We also have a, a an athletic trainer that a strength conditioning trainer that is dedicated to our team. Uh, the girls work out with him. Uh, three days a week um, at 6.45 in the morning. Um, they go to the weight room in athletics and he puts them through a circuit and they uh, they do a real good job with that. And that's real helpful for them. That helps them both physically and mentally and emotionally. Um, you feel better about yourself when you're, when you're in better shape. So uh, they work out three days a week with him and usually another day or two on their own uh, as well, doing some of the circuits that he puts together. So, yeah, that's real helpful. And, and that's another thing that COVID, COVID really disrupted that. Um, the girls had to work out in a different place with a different person, and they were kind of on their own. And it was difficult last year. But the good news is, is starting after Labor Day, they're going to start right back at it this year. So they'll be hitting that several times a week. Well, Coach, as we wind down here, let's say there's a recruit wanting to come to Nebraska. Why should they? Well, I mean, everything we just ran through, I mean, it's, it's one of the few places that, you know, the, the administration of the athletic department is really behind it. Um, it's not just a afterthought. It's something that they really cherish. They, they really like the program being a part of athletics. Um, they support it. The, the, uh, the student athlete, um, support system and Nebraska is second to none and forget it. We already went through all the bowling and, and everything that's available to the student athlete here in the bowling facility. But outside of that, we have a, 
we have a woman that's um, in charge of our the academic portion who you know helps them set up their schedule keeps track of how they're doing in, in their with their grades alerts me when they're having issues uh, we assign tutors to them so that they can uh, get a troublesome class turned around um, there's a, a full-time doctor on staff that is free to them so if they have any issues they go see the Dr. Elbers here in the department, he takes care of whatever needs they have. He can give them prescriptions. Um, they have they have X-ray machines. They can do minor surgeries right here at the stadium, um, and that's all free of charge. There's uh, there's athletic trainers for if they have injuries to help them rehab it. They have all kinds of technology to help them do that. So besides all the bowling that's available to them to make them better, uh, it's a very well-rounded. Um, once Nebraska invests in a student athlete, they want to give them every reason to succeed and, um, everything's in place to help them do that. And, uh, the, the fans here, they support us. They love Husker bowling They're They don't, they don't look down their nose at, at bowlers the way they do so many other places. It's really special. I would say, and that's why Nebraska is going to go back to back national championships but that's all the time we have for today so i'll leave you all with this the levels of success are good better best so never let it rest till you're better than the best see you all next week